Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. Does my nose get bigger every episode? Is that what goes on here? No, it's just you have terrible Not lighting. Not that I'm lying. You have terrible lying, or lying, lighting, and so it, it just it, it gets washed out. I look down, and it looks like yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just this whole thing. It's got to be the, white, it, the light. The way to, to, I'm the first to admit, out. my nose is fairly large. So anyway, um, we have some housekeeping that I have to do. Um, are you a regular listener? Why not? Subscribe to The Practical Guitarist using your chosen podcast app. Take the time to put in a review with the service where you found our podcasts, like iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Get involved. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitarist. If you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can do so at questions at practicalguitarist.com. And the entire time I have been reading this, Jim is sitting over there mocking me. <laughs> that son of a bitch. I was making faces the whole time. That folks. son of a bitch. Now, we're going to talk about something kind of confrontational today. I have a feeling Jim and I are going to end up yelling at each other. Oh, yeah. Only we're gonna, because I really like yelling, and yes. I'm probably just going to yell at anything anyway. And besides, we haven't had a good reason to yell at each other for a long time. Yeah, this sounds good. This is awesome. So, so as you probably know at this point, as you know, yep. fuck you. Fuck you and your mocking See, attitude. Already started. Already, already started. <laughs> <laughs> I think we explored our explicit rating in the first ten minutes of this episode. Hey, this and is, we're not even ten minutes in. This is Michael Jackson's Pepsi. So this this Pepsi oh God. is a cover. It is a cover of the old Pepsi, which is what we're discussing today. Covers versus originals. So I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna tell you guys how we came about this. So a friend of mine over the weekend was asking me about my guitar playing and so on and so forth, and Did he said Paul to Reed me, Smith? "No." Um, <laughs> I tried. He asked me. Um, he actually he didn't ask me. He said, "Well, it must be a lot harder to play covers than originals because you can do whatever you want with an original and just say, yeah, I meant to do that.'" <laughs> oh my God. So I'm gonna. I am going to actually support what he said. I believe that yes, it is easier to play cover. Or I mean, originals than covers, because in an original you can mess up anything you want. You can sing the wrong words. You can play the wrong notes. You can do whatever you want, and you can just blame a, a, a crappy note as to being avant-garde or outside the box. And you can you can blame effed up lyrics on I meant to say that that was in the heat of the moment I was feeling oh, it well, at the time. I've heard the heat of the moment uh, from fucking cover musicians before too. Oh, they're terrible! <laughs> like when they say they put in that random fuck heat of the moment, <laughs> heat Shoney of the fucking moment, <laughs> showing your eyes. <laughs> uh, fuck, Dave. You know, um, I never meant to be so bad to you. One thing I thought that I would never do. <laughs> I don't even know if that's the right fucking lyric. All right, so... <laughs> yeah, because you just fucked up in the heat of the moment. In the heat of the moment. I don't know 
if I can make it through this episode. I don't even know what the second verse goes. I always, I always sang it wrong. I would always sing, uh, sing the wrong lyrics. All right, fine. so let's let's just go let's go right into it. So all right. now we're not just talking about guitar players. Now we're talking about drummers. We're talking about singers. We're talking about bass players. We're talking about everybody. Is it easier to do a cover or an original? I argue that, and I will stand by this. I argue that it's much easier to do originals than a cover any day of the week. Any day of the week. Wrong. All right. All right. Go ahead. You argue your point first. Go. Did you just did you literally just say wrong? You are wrong, but I'm going to let you go. <laughs> All right. So before Jim makes his argument, I am going to I'm going to make an ass out of myself and you and me. And I'm going to um, assume that Jim is going to make the argument that because it's a cover of a song, that there is a specific structure and a specific format that the song has to fit. Right? That seems logical. And that original tunes don't necessarily have to do this because the audience doesn't have predisposition for that. Now, if this were the case, and here's here's where... I can already poke holes in your boat, my fork, so you'll freaking sink to the bottom of that, uh, you know, that um, sea level place you live in. Are uh, you going to poke holes in my yacht rock? Yes, I am. So, anyway, I have a cat that's trying to get onto my... Is that Michonne? That is, no. uh, that is Merle. No, that's, yeah, that's Merle. That's Merle. Merle. Nobody kills Merle, but Merle. Merle kills Merle. Um, anyway, so um, here, here's where I'm going to poke about. Jazz musicians, jazz clubs, jazz songs, right? So they do have a structure. They have a head, and then they have an, a section of improvisation. Sometimes you, put, you will actually have more structure than that. And then you have a head at the end, and where they repeat the same melody from the beginning to close out the, the, the tune. Now, this is why... I believe that it is more difficult to do that because you as a performer can't just like reiterate what's already been done. You have to innovate, create something new, and especially in that format on the spot to involve the audience in what you're doing. So you have to connect that with them in a different way. And maybe it's not harder, but it's certainly different. And I, I at least for, for me, I think the level of musicianship required to do that is not necessarily beyond, but it's a different kind of musicianship that's more difficult to tap into for a lot of people. And so that's that's where my opening argument starts. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to say this. The, um, the, I'll agree with your argument in that there is a head and that you have to come back out of it. But I will also say that in between, you can do whatever you want. You can wank about um, over, you know, a two-six change um, all day long. Minor two, minor six change all day long. And who cares? You just you're but, just doing wheedly 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 wheedly. Successful at that, you can't do that. Oh yeah, you can. Now, <laughs> I have seen, and I and, and I think we want to separate, and I think maybe this is where we need to deviate from this argument. I, we need to separate out the fact that there are bad versions of both that exist. That's right. Okay? 
And by bad, I mean people that are demonstrating bad musicianship. <clears throat> You're jumping somebody the shark, comes out Mr. There and plays a shitty cover, or somebody comes out there and plays a shitty original. Right. It's You're, instantly going to be a problem. You're jumping the shark. Right. But so let's let's do a, let's talk about this. Let's talk about a cover song. Let's say I, I mean pick a cover. I don't care whether it's um it's uh, who's next eight six seven five three nine Jenny. Who's next? Um, I'm I'm talking about the standard uh, uh, rock band uh, garage band covers. That's what I was you know you jumped the shark on me. Um, uh, rock and roll all night from Kiss. Um, uh, what I like about you. Um, <clears throat> I, I can't say enough about how important it is to play. Yes, what I like about you is E A D, pretty right. much. But then there's that that change where they go into the the um, B, right? And the and the and they use a G, and they and so they move outside of that E A and B for just a second, but or, or E A and D. Only for a second, only long enough to take you into this ride and then back right back around. And the chords that they start with are not standard E, A, and D, like every band does. Well, not every band. A lot of, of lazy cover bands do, <clears throat> right? And if you're going to be that co lazy cover band, you'll play the Kiss song wrong because it's another chord voicing that, okay, rock and roll all night. Again. Nice and easy. E, tune down to E flat. E, A, and B. But, or E, A, and D. Again, <clears throat> uh-oh, wait a minute. The voicing's wrong most of the time. And, and, um, 8675309 Jenny. Almost nobody plays that, um, with the, with the precision. What I'm talking about is the expectations are different for the, the different, of the different audiences. An audience that goes see a jazz musician does not expect to hear a note-for-note -note cover of absolutely, absolutely. the, the um, songs that they've heard before. They want your spin on a standard, typically. So you might play you, Autumn... You're really not going to like what I'm saying next. Well, I'm just saying, you might play Autumn Leaves. You might play um, uh, Girlfriend from Ipanema or whatever. But <laughs> did I say it wrong? Girlfriend. No, Impanina? I'm just laughing. I'm just Impanina? laughing because like that's Impanina, totally Impanina, not a Impanina. song I would ever play in a jazz group. Like I'm just saying. Okay. All right. I gotcha. I okay. Gotcha. Well, then you've never played a. Um. Uh, you've never opened a wedding where you were sitting in a trio and you're just freaking playing. Sure. Moronic sure. Covers, but that's right? not. But but they wouldn't hire the kind of jazz <laughs> that, that I like anyway to to play a wedding. So no. But you you'll get more money. Anyway. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm willing to bet you that. That there are pros out there playing night after night in clubs that don't make anywhere near the money that a corporate jazz trio makes. Oh, I, absolutely! I, no, I, I would, I would agree so, with that completely. Now, of course, that that goes to objectives, which we'll talk about later. But here's the thing: so if if uh, but if the people that come out to see somebody do Wagon Wheel, all right, all right, which is a horrible song. But people love it. <laughs> Brown Eyed Girl is a horrible song that people love. I would I would argue that that's a that's a it's a good tune. That's a good tune, yeah. But yeah, but but it's overplayed. It is the it yeah, is the oh, free bird. Is, yes. Okay, and most people don't play it right anyway. Again, they don't play all those 
those dyads, the they just sit there. Neil and, Diamond songs too, right? And the Neil Diamond, another one that that nobody plays right. Yeah, but, here's, but, but nobody should anyway because it's terrible. Well, sweet Caroline. Oh, ba, shut ba, ba. up! That's the one that's good the times worst. never seem oh, so good, it. so good, so oh. good, so good. Or how about oh. this one? Uh, how about this one? The the no. the audience response song. Um, where the salt, salt. Where's the fucking salt? <laughs> All right, what song is that? I don't Margaritaville. Know. Oh, that God. Yeah, another another fucking song. Uh, uh, I, if I, right. if my microphone so, was not in my way right now, and it did not cost a hundred dollars. I'd be banging my fucking head on my desk. <laughs> so here's a, it, it would cost you more than that when you went to the doctor's office. Um, I'd be fine. <laughs> in the, I'd feel better. In the uh, um, what I'm saying is that the audience that comes to see. Brown Eyed Girl and Margaritaville and you know all that stuff doesn't isn't the same audience that's gonna go see that jazz show. And that audience expects you to play. If you don't play that if you don't play that right, which how many guitar players have you seen fuck that up? That they just fuck it up. For some reason, they can't play six simple dyads. It, it they're just it's two just no chords. Things, yeah, it's just one of those things. So I that and that's true of a lot of cover bands in general. And that's why I said I, we we need to distinguish between bad cover acts and good cover acts. That's right. Because let's face it, we all know we've seen that 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 bar band that plays cover tunes uh. in your local neighborhood that it just butchers everything they play. That's right. They and can't even like, do Sweet Caroline properly. Getting right, but yeah, somehow they're getting gigs. Well, that's and what I'm going to talk about. And that's where the expectation comes in. The expectation is so, just give me something that makes me think it's the same song, and I'll I'll be okay with it. And the old drunker you get, the better we sound comes into play. All right, right, right. <clears throat> and I, I'm just gonna say that that it takes um it takes a lot. So my band sits down, and what we do, and, and David Gilmore talked about this when he was he was talking about writing music and, and how he learned. What he w- did was he deconstructed a song. He learned the bass part. He learned the, the right. drum part. He learned everything. And that's what you and I do when we have to sit down and learn a song. That's right. I have to deconstruct and reconstruct because it's obvious that I will never be able to play all of the parts. Right. I will have to pick and choose them. And because I have to pick and choose the parts... I have to go, okay, I'm going to play. Here's the signature pieces that I can hear. What's the other guitar player going to play? And how am I going to marry those two into what <coughs> becomes a recognizable and enjoyable cover for the people that show up? I submit to you that your argument is sound. Yes. However, I think... What we're really establishing here is that there are three different types of, of music, right? Bad. So there's <laughs> the, bad no, is actually, one of them. If you want to go that way, well, then there's five different types of music, right? Or there's categories of there's things. Bad, bad. So really you're either bad. good. You're either good or you're bad. Okay, and then you can have any variation of good plus any of these other things. There is improvisational music, which means that maybe a very small portion of the music is structured. Yep. And then the rest is improv, right? Okay. That's the easiest thing to get away with doing and not really having, you know, because c- then you can make mistakes and people don't necessarily notice, right? Right. And and uh, and then you could have covers, which are 
music written by somebody else that you're performing, which is still an art too. We've been over this. Correct. Or you can have category C, which is a completely structured new song that people have never heard before. Now, yes. I could see this argument applying to that, but I will I will point out, I, and I, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. I, I tend to fall more into the improvisational side, yep. side of things, yep. but I'm starting to get more toward the structure side of things in my own music. Yep. But what I will say is that when you're doing structured music, people think that um, people in the audience don't notice structure in music, and they don't. On a conscious level. That's right. But on a subconscious level, they will. If you fuck up and you miss a verse, or you miss a chorus, or you bomb a pre-chorus, or you bomb a bridge, right? They're going to know. Especially if you burn out, like, more than a few measures of a particular part, right? Right. And I don't mean just skipping them, but I mean, like, just... Right. Like, you play them, but you just play them half-ass. Right. Or if the band can't keep time... The band can't keep time, and it's right. going to be real obvious. Nobody's going to say that's avant-garde. No. Uh, and 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 actually, who's the? Um, we talked about him before. I'm trying to think of his name, I'm going to have to look him up. Oh, oh Henry Kaiser. Guy. Henry yeah, Henry Kaiser. Henry Kaiser. Right. He's a perfect example because he he's exploring this area. That's that's what I think he's doing. Yeah. And that idea that, well, if I perform this music and you've only heard it once, and I can make it sound like ass, and you know you've only heard it once, so you don't know what it's supposed to sound like anyway. Okay, I'm I'm going to make an argument for you or against against. I argue that every original band is a cover band, with the exception, with the exception of a very few. No, I original think bands are cover bands. If if I go to see Aerosmith and they do "Dream On," and at the end he doesn't at least try to do go "Dream On, Dream On," and I don't hear that friggin' intro, that you know that descending, uh. You know, uh, what is that, D minor? Yeah. So you're talking about structured original bands. I All right. Um, yeah, if I went to see the Bee Gees and, I, and they did falsetto, staying alive. If I went to see um, Foreigner and I didn't hear a saxophone on Urgent. If I went to see, okay, let's even take it to the extreme. Let's take Pink Floyd. David Gilmore hated having to play the same solos twice. But. He did it. David Gilmore would pull off playing. Now, here's what he would do. This is the genius of him. He would play the, the all right, Comfortably Numb, for example, which can be turned into a 15, 20-minute yeah. song. And often was. <laughs> and yes, very often live was. So here's a guy who would play the first solo the exact same way every time. Right. And he would intro the outro solo, if you could kind of see that, right. the same way. But then he would take you on another adventure every time. His outro was never the same way twice so do you think what do you think sold more ticket sales the fact that they were deviating from their formula or the fact that they were sticking to their formula i think the fact that they stuck to enough formula and this is where you get to a cover band a decision has to be made every time as to where do you stick to the formula and where do you deviate from the formula sure sure because there is no way when i play all right for example wanted dead or alive there there's one simple solo in there and then there's a bunch of little you know weedly weedlies during the vocals if i don't play that piece properly then i am totally fucked up so what have i got to play properly well i do have to outro it with a d chord at the end or i'm going to totally clash with whatever anybody else is doing right so I have to resolve to D. 
I have to come out of D. So in other words, there's a lot of D in that song. I'm I'm pausing there for the jokers. There's a there's a lot of D in that song. <laughs> there's folks. a lot of D in that song. There's a lot of D That's in right. that song. Wanted dead or alive. So you got to wonder what they want. Dead or alive. Wanted dead or alive. So, <laughs> the, all right. So the the the, um, the all the joking aside, I have what eight measures, and each one broken up into two little four measure parts to play a quick solo over D. That's what I have. And I, and I have to make up something that starts the same, ends the same, but it can have a different middle every time. And no I'm one just, will ever notice. I'm just crying about the fact that you have to play D's. This song called Wanted Dead or Alive. I know, right? And we just made a joke about that song having a lot of D. I know. It's terrible. It's just terrible. But it, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even. I can't. <clears throat> but, um, okay, so... Um, Boy, is my song, face red. Most people don't notice, but there is a guitar riff that, that goes on continuously in the song um, uh, from The Breakfast Club, um, Don't You Forget About Me. So if you take Don't You Forget About Me, there's a riff that's going on. I play that riff constantly, and I change it up all the time. I'll give you, I'll give you a prime example of a riff that changes that nobody notices the changes in. No, I got a better one, but go ahead. Billy yeah. Idol, Dancing With Myself. That's a pretty good one, actually. Because it starts with a... Right? The riff repeats, even over the vocal. Well, I lift all over the world. and I don't know the words because I don't sing it. But when he changes that, if I kept playing that riff, that would, that would clash yeah. against the vocal. Yeah. So I have to play the riff differently each when he goes into the different chords. Even though... I have to make it sound like I've kept playing that riff by never, when he goes back that chord, I have to be right on it. And, and then when I come out of it to go, you know, dancing with myself, uh-oh, you know, the whole, uh, I got to sing that, uh-oh, and, and so the decisions of what do you do, because there's, there's some guys going dancing with myself while the other one's going, uh-uh-uh-oh, and then there's the whole, you know, while he's going sweat, wet, sweat, wet, wet, sweat, wet, you know, so the, the whole thing in it, you know, I'm not saying it's genius by any stretch of the imagination. It was it was pop punk before pop punk was cool, right? But it was um, a, a creative decision of having a thread, and that thread was that piece. Now, again, when I see Billy Idol, I expect to see that. I expect to hear that. I expect to hear and see a lot of things. So Billy Idol is a cover band of Billy Idol. Sure. I mean... I don't know that this is necessarily a cover thing so much as there's a, a greater expectation there of delivering the same thing. Yes. Um, and even more now, so of a cover band. Because people will forgive the original players more than they would forgive the cover band. If, sure. If you go out and see Bon Jovi, he will never sing the high note in... Um, uh, what's Living on a Prayer. Living on a Prayer. He's like, oh... <laughs> the microphone, you guys can't see me yeah. holding the microphone out to the audience. Yeah. Because they're they're doing the we're halfway there. And then so, he goes, he doesn't even sing oh, oh. he just leaves it out there. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Yeah, you guys sing it. I too freaking so, I could never hit that note again in my life. You you do it in a cover band and you don't sing that note, guess who's gonna get guess who's gonna get yeah. talked to by somebody? Somebody in that crowd is gonna say, Missed the high note, didn't you? Yeah. Every freaking time. It's but, some Somebody who loved the rest of the, the thing goes, oh, you didn't hit that. Oh, you know, that, that whole thing. Now, we have a cover band 
here in Chicago, and I'm not going to name their name because they're big enough regionally that it'll probably come back to haunt me at some point. Um, they, I, I've seen them probably 20 or 30 times over the years. Um, they've been active most of my teenage years and beyond, and I'm 32 now. Um, they're still active this year. I'm sure they'll That's be out awesome. playing. The, I'm sure they'll be That's out playing awesome. the festivals this year. Uh, it's good. Um, they're terrible. Okay. Uh, uh, terrible in the sense that every cover they do has to be spun so it's their cover. Right. It's got to be their equivalent. But I submit to you, they actually have fans. There are people, and I, and this is how they're packing these festivals. Well, they haven't been around for 17 years and doing festivals if they don't have fans. They're That's what I'm saying. Right. right. That's what I'm saying. I don't think the audience gives a shit. Well, no, and again, that's where the decision of the audience is. Okay, so let's talk about that part. Let's talk about that part. So if I'm a cover musician, I have some choices. I can play songs the way I want to play them. Fuck you, audience. I'm going to do what I like. You know, as Eric Cartman said, I'll do what I want. So if I go, I'll submit this. If I go out there and I start rocking out and I... Go to a, um, a club. I'm going to have a different thing than I do if I go to a wedding. Than I would if I play a festival. Than I would if I play a yacht. Okay, a corporate gig, we call that. So that's why they call it Yacht Rock. Because rich people that own yachts would be at a corporate yes, gig, yes. right? A Catalina right. wine mixer. Exactly. A Catalina fucking wine mixer. Exactly. As a matter of fact, I just did a yacht club thing last weekend. Jesus. So um, you, you look at... What is, your dis- what is your decision of songs, your choice of songs, and your choice of how to cover those songs? If you're that band and you're doing the festival thing and you've already built a following, you can fill that festival. They don't care. <clears throat> you know, because here's what's going to happen is, okay, festivals, we, we have different gigs because they're, they're gigs where you expect your fans to show up and they're gigs where you have a captive audience. A festival is That's a captive right. audience. It doesn't matter whether they care or not. It really doesn't. Because guess what? Where are they going to go? They're going to leave the festival. They're going to leave their wine and their cheese or their their um, dough and their and their um, you know powdered sugar behind. Oh, they're going to stay there. They're going to listen to a crappy band later. And go, eh, that band wasn't really that good. But you know what? They're not playing clubs. So who cares? That nobody's going to go out and see them in, in the you know in that in that respect, except the fans that they built over the years. And they've built fans that are that are of and 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 again I'm going to point out another thing. You're in a larger city. You're in a larger metropolitan area. You're in Chicago. You come here. How many people are in Chicago in in uh, the area that you're in? How many people are in that that four and a half million? Four million? Yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah, it's like four million. Okay, and if I, and I can go all the way up to Waukegan and Milwaukee, right? So I'm adding yeah. those, those, another. They're based out of Rockford. Yeah. So another million and a half. Rockford. Okay. Rockford, Illinois, where the Rockford Files happened. Just kidding. No, I'm just saying. I'm just I'm kidding. Just saying that band is ba- <laughs> that band is based out of Rockford, McHenry, like yeah. way out there. Way out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, but they're able to play all these all these locations. You can. Yeah. It's easier to build. You only need a couple thousand people out of a few million. Now come to my area. Where they think that they're a city, we don't even have a million and a half people here, 
And we're sprawled over a much huger radius, or, or I should say the same size radius. We And you're not going to take the $17 toll back and forth to a gig. So you're going to go on the mainland side. You're not going to go up the peninsula, right? So... Um, or the other peninsula we go. Well, you're just changing the barometer for success, though. That's, that's right. all you're doing. And you're changing. That's right. It and doesn't so, necessarily mean that per percentage per population, they're not a popular any better. band. That's right. Well, like, no, but that's why that's why I'm submitting. I think if they were in your location, they'd have just as many fans, if not more, than your band does right now. They've and also the, been. There's a, another base on it, and that's the fact that they've been around for 17 years. And that, and that's true, and that and that has a big has a big bearing on it. And my band's um, around for one, and we don't have my, an agent. Well, and the bigger problem here though is that they don't sound good. Like that's 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 ultimately what I'm arguing. Look, I think the expectation is that you can be close enough to the music that it's that it's a little bit beyond recognizable, and as long as you can do that, and you can keep time, and that you can cover all the basic musical bases, I think people. Accept it. I mean, I, I honestly, I've seen enough shitty cover bands pack places, and not just here, but but even even um like down where my my uh, my family lives in Indiana, that it's just it, I, honestly, I think it's just part of the trade. Well, part of it, okay, part of it is also the the um all right. So there's a couple things that keep people coming. All right, believe it or not, there are looks. If you sure, that has a lot. If you are the scruffy Indianians, let me tell you, man. If you're <laughs> hard Hoosiers. to look at, yeah. If you're hard to look at, people don't want to look at you. Okay, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you that. So we, my band, dresses up. Um, part of it is also, um, do you come across as a jerk? Are you staring at the floor? Or you That's look, a bigger are you issue. Contact with the people. Are you making them feel? A, a lot of it comes in your choice of songs too. Making yes. them feel like they're part of it, or you're not. And those songs that I, I mentioned, where you go, Salt, Salt, Where's the Fucking Salt, um, Ride, Sally, Ride. Those party songs. Those party songs where they get to feed, they get to yell out, you know, yeah. um, during them. That, that's, you know, believe it or not, Milk, um, uh, who's the bass player from um, uh, Motley Crue? He's escaping my name. Uh, Mars. Mick, not Mick Mars. That was a guitar player. Nikki um, Six. Nikki Six. Okay, Nikki Six um, said when he wrote Shout at the Devil. That was the whole idea to get that whole shout, shout. Right. That's that's shout, what drives uh, praise and worship music now is the simplicity so that people can participate. That's right. And 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 it is in the simplicity. It's got to be because if you make it complex and you make it difficult, people don't want to do it. So um, I would submit to you that that it's not necessarily about the talent that gets you the money or the popularity. It is about those things that make people want to. You are part of the party. You show up and the party starts. You are the life of the party. Well, that's, and, and Kiss, that's how Kiss did it. Kiss played, whether they were playing to 10 people or 10,000 people, they were going to do the same light show, like a whole thing. And that was, their, that was their gimmick. That makeup started early. That whole thing started early. They were not a huge band yet. But Gene and Paul had a vision for that band, and that was to be huge. The only way to be huge. It's just like they say, dress for the job you want now. So I agree. I agree with everything you've just said. Now, um, the, the only thing I take issue with is that, yes, 
success, we, we, we measure it differently, right? I think a cover band measures their success more through how, how stable they are and how much money they can bring in. And that's basically what it boils down to. Absolutely. Um, it's about, it's about and this knowing gig. Your mar- and knowing your market. That's right. This gig, the next gig, and the one after that, it's about, it, it's about how much you're going to get paid and are, have you got gigs lined up. That's what so it's Jim, about. So, Jim, let me, let me ask you a couple questions because you're, you're in a cover band right now. I've been in a um, You are picking songs yes. that other bands in your area are not playing, correct? No. We'll pick songs that other people do as well. We try to pick some songs that they don't do, but you cannot go outside that. You can't get too Well, there's always out. the core, those core songs that everybody expects to hear. That's right. Especially, and it's usually regional. Right. It, it, it's regional. If, if we don't play 8675309Jenny, or we don't play, you know, certain play songs that like that. Play that funky music white boy or something like that. We don't play like that. that. It, there's really only a couple. We play uh, Footloose, 8675309Jenny, okay. Danger Zone. We, we step outside with Danger Zone because not too many people can sing those high parts. Um, we do, um, you know, we do a lot of stuff where we... We know that we've got two singers who can sit, hit really high notes, so right. the two of us do a lot of the work, a lot of legwork in that respect. Um, uh, so you don't think so? To that end, yep. you don't think your success, at least regionally, is based upon the fact that you have a couple of tunes that other bands in the area can't do? Of course we do, that, and that's that's exactly what it is. you you gotta have something that 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 is what sets you apart. And it, it, usually it's a choice of song that is still – I can't tell you how many ba- cover bands I've been in. And they start out with this big vision of, oh, we want all these gigs. All right. All right. We're going to play Eric Clapton's I Pulled This Song Out of My Ass. Why are we doing the song I Pulled That Song Out of My Ass? Well, because it's, it's a deep cut. Nobody else is doing it. You know why nobody else is doing it? Yeah, because it you, you fucking still have to sucks. select the right deep cuts. I I right. got you on that. Yeah, it, it fucking sucks. That's it's not about just picking it. material that other bands are doing. It's about picking the right material that other right. bands are doing. And that's the thing. You know, you can't. Okay, wagon wheel's overdone. Everybody's doing it. Get off wagon wheel. Okay, but if somebody asks for it, know it. That's our rule. So if somebody comes up and says play eight six seven five three nine Jenny, we'll do it. If somebody walks up and says play brown hole or brown eyed girl, we'll do it. The the point is that um, there's more. Um, you've got to have the ability to do them. And I've told uh, you know I tell my bandmates all the time. I know this song blows, all right, and we hate it, but they love it. And it's not about us. It is not about us. It is about them. <clears throat> now some bands have success in playing for themselves. Yeah, I think, but they wind up playing with themselves most of the time. What's that? I think that's. I think that's. Well, but I think those people are cut for the originals world, and that's and that's where. So, here's where I'm gonna I'm gonna start taking over a little bit. Um, When we talk about big professional acts covering themselves, right? Um, I think some of the biggest acts do exactly the opposite of that. Uh, Look at Led Zeppelin, perfect example. They have songs that are on the album. Are like you know two or three. Well, I'm thinking of Days and Confused, for example, is like five or six minutes long on the album, and then live it's like 24 minutes, and there's all this shit going on in the middle, and there's a part with fucking bongos in it, and all this crap. Like, yeah, that's because they were more stoned on stage. Than well, they were at least in, in the, the late, at least in the later years, yes. <laughs> but in the beginning, like even even when they were touring alongside Iron Butterfly, they were known. For going on stage for like three or four hours. God, God help Iron Butterfly, who had one hit. 
Well, no, that's the thing. Like, if you know the story behind that, Iron Butterfly was yes. was uh, was headlining, and Les- it was right after Led Zeppelin one came out. Yep, and, and they were like, "Oh fuck this! Let them headline. <laughs> like, yep. we don't we don't want to go on after this shit." <laughs> yeah, no, because all they um, had was "And I Got a David." Yeah, basically, basically, yeah. Um, so that's that's a, that's a prime example now. Like Rush, other bands like that. Yes. They nail the material on the album, but there's so much deviation in like areas for improvisation stuff. They, they do have, you know, Rush has room for improvisation, but let me tell you something, because of the samples and because of the things that we do on stage, that they are very meticulous about what, there's, there's not yeah, a whole just, lot there's of a structure room. to it, certainly, yes. And, and the same thing is true of Led Zeppelin. I think Led Zeppelin's a little bit more free um, to, you know, kind of deviate when they were playing. Um, and of course, there's other bands that have gone in that vein over the years. Uh, Living Color was an example. I know they're not a big band, but um, at least several of the times I've seen them, they certainly do not stick to the written page, uh, even with some of their hits. Right. Um, and they and they do like covers, and they do covers, and that's hysterical. Uh, they covered Back in Black. They covered Tomorrow Never Knows. Um, which their cover tomorrow never knows is great. And I watched them jam it out for 18 minutes um, at the house of blues here. And like their fans come expecting that if they were to play off the written page, I don't think they would be popular. I honestly don't think the people that, that have become like true fans of their music and have bought every record and, you know, hang on to every word would literally be showing up those shows. All right. I could just listen to the record. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But the measurement of success, um, if your measurement of success is to sell out stadiums and arenas, that's not then they have not succeeded. Correct, and that's the thing. I think I think what really um, what what the what makes this argument hard to decide is that look, most of the guys playing in cover bands are soldiers of fortune. They need money or they want money, right? And this that's is right. a way for them to make money. They're, they're a lot weekend of them, warriors. It's make money to it's it's money to fuel something else that they're doing. So in other words. I'm going to use my musical experience here to bring in cash so that then I can either A, buy gear, which is my real hobby, or B, I'm going to produce music on the side that is like my real thing, um, which is kind of the way I would approach it if I were doing it. I can tell you that 99.9% of the, of the cover acts or cover band musicians that I know, um, okay, within that group, you're going to have probably um, 50 to 60% of them, maybe even a higher number, are doing something original with somebody on the side. Um, but the, the, the measurement of their success for the cover act is how, is, is definitely in the almighty dollar. It's definitely an almighty dollar. There's no question about it. I think for, and, and it's part of, and it's certainly a part of the other side of things too, but I will say this, I think the people who are really more in it for the artistic thing and are like trying to express themselves in some way, as soon as their needs are met. That's not as big a deal to those guys. Now, that's not that's to right. say three quarters of the professional music world is filled with guys that are still, they're just going to jam out records and they're going to make a lot of money doing it. Like the Hall of Notes kind of guys, right? Who, right. who are hit makers and they that's can right. just do it. Right. Um, those people exist too. But I would say like the average guy like me that sits around making originals, the way he's thinking about it is not. And I'm not trying to sell songs to Bruno Mars or somebody like that. Like that's not my thing. I don't and write. Typically, that kind of that's what the cover band person is doing. They're they're writing their stuff that they're writing. They have no interest in in most of them. They're they're my age. I'm not yeah. going to be even if I wrote the next 
um, uh, Proud Mary, I am not going to be the one that takes it to the to the big style. They would find a, a the new Katy Perry, and that would be the one that took it to the to the next level. Right. And some producer, I would sell that thing, and some producer and some group of people are going to rewrite that thing, rearrange it, I should say, and turn it into something that is unrecognizable to me. And yet, that is going to be the big hit, and that will be the thing that writes my that pays my power bill for the rest of my life. So here's where I am, and this is where I fit into this and why I, ha- I have a, such an impassioned other side of this argument. And, I, and I, you have enlightened me quite a bit here, and I, you're going to be really shocked by what I say at the end of this. But um, my, my position on this is I'm <laughs> in it for art, right? right? I'm not in it to make money. I have a day job. I make good money. Um, I have no real outlets in my life other than my job and then being with my kids and being with my family. And so for me, art, and, and I'm also individual art as well, um, art provides a way for me to have a release from the stuff that I don't like doing. And it's and I, I feel cathartic about it. And the main thing is I want something to be able to hand down to both my family and my family's families below them and you know all throughout the family tree so that they can say, hey, that guy 200 years ago wrote this piece of classical music. Because I write classical music. I write all kinds of stuff. Um, and that's my goal is to leave a legacy. I don't really care if I make money doing this. Like I, I have other obligations. I'm, I'm 33 years old, and I'm, I'm at this point in my life where I realize stardom missed me seven or eight years ago. If, if that was going to happen, that was going to happen seven or eight years ago. And I, and I'm going to say this, okay. Before we get off the topic, because we're kind of wrapping it up. Uh, yeah, I got one more thing to say, though. So That's I want to say this. There are different, just like there's different levels and different types of original music, there's different levels and different types of, of, um, of cover bands. You can be a strictly genre-based cover band. I'm a country band. You can be a time-based cover band. I'm an 80s band. That's what I'm in. Um, and we're throwing more and more stuff that's not been in the 80s, or at least wasn't popular and in the radio in the 80s, out. So if it got released after 1990, we're kind of throwing it out. So we're moving it, moving it. Um, they, um, anyway, I, I'm getting in the weeds there. There's also tribute bands. And sure. the bands that work the hardest, as far as covers go, I, in my yes. opinion. And they have to be, bands. no, and they do have to be spot on. They have to have tribute? the look. They have to have the sound. They've got to have everything dead on. You can, have you ever seen a tribute band like all right where um I I'll tell you what gets under me under my skin tribute band where nobody looks like the original the fu- yeah. you're not a tribute band you're just a fucking cover band shut up at you least just, do something <clears throat> to make it I don't care if you're fat do something to make yourself look if like you're, them well no <laughs> it, you can't be a fat balding white guy and be um uh, Steve Perry or I mean um uh Stephen Tyler. Do a dream on. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. You better be tall and thin. Let's be honest. If you're a fatter guy like that, like a bigger guy like me, you're not going to have that high a voice anyway. Oh, well, I I pull it off. Um, You ain't fucking 300 pounds, Jim. No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm, I'm, well, I'm 100 pounds better. I'm fucking Pavarotti over here, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, well, well, when we meet, yeah, it might be. Um, But anyway, (laughs) here's the other thing. So, um, what was I saying? Oh. But um, I, I can't stand it when they have a tall, fat, 
Angus Young. No. Just because yeah. the guy can play the part does not mean that he should be. Look, he looks wrong in that schoolboy outfit. It looks more like um, some kind of weird Japanese porn going on over here. Let's just not have that. Let's just keep that off the stage. If you want to do an ACDC song, fine. But do not have some really tall guy be an AC, Angus yeah. Young. The only time this is not true is when it's like a theme thing, right? So, like, you have the Iron Maidens, you have... Right, um, that's different. You have Little Kiss, or the little... The, well, the, I was just going to suggest that that, that that somebody should do an ACDC with vertically smaller people, yeah. and uh, have a giant Angus Young. Actually, yeah, that would be weird. Um, that would be great. But it would be, yeah, it would be funny. Um, but there is Little Kiss. There is, um, there's, um... There used to be young Garth Brooks or something like that, where this kid Mac would do Sabbath. Max Sabbath. There you go. Um, Max Sabbath. The Iron Maidens that Nita Strauss came from. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned, uh, those are and again, those are tribute acts, but they were dead on in the music. The Iron Maiden, the Iron Maidens were dead on musically. Right. Those girls rocked the but shit that- out of, and Little Kiss rocks the shit out of that stuff. You'd be fucking amazed to see them. Well, that's my point, though. I like I want to bring these people up because I think I think they deserve credit, even though they're not trying to accurately emulate the original. They're putting a spin on it. That's right, but they're putting a spin on it. That's a different thing than okay, we're all trying to be an original, but none of right. us look right. Right. So I, that I, I felt those people thing. need to be at least brought up. Yes. Um. Can Can I have I have a suggestion for for this week in the podcast for those of you who have made it this far in the episode? Mm-hmm. Uh, post your favorite tribute act. Yeah. In the Facebook. Group. I'll post mine, and we'll have a contest. Yeah. We can all vote, see who wins. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to post one that takes tribute to another fucking level. Yeah, I, I'll post one, but mine's going to be more fun than yours. Yeah, um, Pro- oh, it will be. Yes, it'll be less prog too. <clears throat> yes. Anyway, my my point is, I mean, how many Rush tribute bands can you can you know? But anyway, my point is that that there is a there is a um. There's always a level of music that you're going to you're going to go to and uh, the measurement of success is your measurement of success. I can't measure your success. David can't measure your success. Only you can measure your success. And if your if your measurement of success is the almighty dollar and it is to get that cover thing and it is to go out there and and play for as many people as possible every effing weekend, every Friday fucking night. And you got to be ready to log that shit in. That's the other thing. You've got to be ready to commit. Because when yep. it comes to being a cover band, if you really want to be that successful cover band, which, by the way, mine is not because we don't want to be. Our measurement of success is we work every other weekend, one day on that weekend. That is our measurement of success. If we get more than that, we're actually outside of the realm that we were looking for. So we missed our target. But that's because we do it because we want to enjoy it and we want people to enjoy it. But we do our best to make it so that the music is good and we're always adding new songs. So every time you come see us, there will be at least one or two songs you hadn't heard us play before. Now, the other side of this is this. But if you measure yourself that way and you're willing to go out there and you're willing to bust your ass every fucking night. Some of these cover bands work three, four, five days a week. Yep. All right. And they are doing they're doing a private party. They're doing a, um, you know, a, a yacht. They're, then they're doing a wedding. Then they're doing the VFW. Then they're doing Bob's shithole bar. And then they're doing um, uh, whatever the, they could do just to be out there. They're opening for, um, you know, uh, the dipshit has been band that is in the same genre they're working on, um, you know. 
whether it's Brian Adams who can't seem to sell a ticket to save his life, um, <laughs> um, or or um, you know he's he, he's he's an example of a of a great musician nobody wants to see, um, right. you know. But uh, anyway, the the point is that that you've you've got to be willing to put in the work, and you had better you had better look good. Take care of yourself. Take care of your instrument. That's that's not just your guitar. It's your hands. We should we should do a whole episode on. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. I proper think, playing I think and stuff chalk like that. Chalk it up to later. Yeah. Um, y- you want to take care of your voice. You want to take care. Of, and I'm going to say this: anybody who wants to take it to the next level, if you're a guitar player and you can't sing, you're never going to take it to the next level. Because there's 300 guys ahead of you and gals ahead of you who can sing. Mm-hmm. And they can, and they can play, and they can make eye contact. If you're the if you're the foot watching, um, shoe gazing guitar player, can't make eye contact, can't do the stuff, who can't sing, just relegate yourself to what you've been doing and forget yeah, put it. Put put on a mask like Buckethead. That's right. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Buckethead actually made more eye contact than I can imagine. That yeah. guy, he had to be making eye contact. Had to. Yeah. Be. So. Jim, uh, we started off this episode setting this up as an argument as to which is more difficult. We're not good at arguing with each other. It's just not good. Because we love each other too no, much. It's, it's pretty good, Jim. I, I actually fucking hate your guts. I don't, <laughs> I don't know where you're getting that I love you. I, I, I have <laughs> dreams and fantasies about, about putting you up. Because oh no, no, I take it back. I have dreams and fantasies about putting you down in a well dug in my basement <sighs> with a little dog. Listen, I'm gonna. <laughs> Don't make me hurt, Merle. <laughs> Not my fucking cat. No, Mister. She looks pretty bad. <laughs> no, but for real. Um, I I like you, Jim. Yep. Maybe not as much as I let on. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I honestly, out of two sides of this debate. I think both are equally hard. That's right. I think they also submit different challenges. That's correct. And so for some guitar players, playing originals would be super easy. I think it's easier to connect with the audience doing originals, provided you're not making mistakes. Like if your musicianship is up to the right level. But I think being successful playing originals is a fuck of a lot harder than it is to play cover tunes absolutely Absolutely. so just it has to do with the barometer i think that's a bigger question and i think um it really depends on the person and what they want to do with themselves too and so i will say that i am neutral (laughs) on this argument and again that's that's where i i stand in reality i mean i can't say first of all if you're an original musician and we should really talk to some some people out there i mean michelangelo badio was well, he's an original guy. He's an original guy. He's still an original guy. He's still doing it. He's still rocking it out. And let me tell you something. He is working his ass off. He's been he doing to sell this. It. He's been doing this since uh, he, he and I are just a few years apart. He's barely older than me. And he's been doing this for since the 70s, man. That he's still doing those originals and he's still selling it. So you can make fun of, of the original guys all you want and gals all you want, but do not for a minute think that they're not putting their heart and their soul out there. And that when you, when you cut them down, when you say stuff negative, 
which I don't understand why anybody says negative things about um, folks like this, but you got to remember they're they're working hard too. So it's one thing for us to joke around on this podcast. We joke a lot, but none yeah. of none of what we say negative, and I hope that people understand that because we we do the same thing to each other is real. We we no. know that. Everybody's working hard. Just because Jim's just trying to make it make himself feel better after I told him I wanted him in that well in my basement. No, no, no. I don't. I don't <laughs> I'm don't. kidding. Jim. You're never going to get me close to your basement, Mister. <laughs> yeah. You better have a wear you around a, like a skin suit, a windowless van with the with the yeah. uh, baseball bat in the back. Um, and, and Can you a, help me move my couch, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Can you help me put this couch into the back of my van? Um. But, <laughs> Oh my God! We <laughs> this is terrible. Um, but uh, you know, don't when you're when you're posting on a thread though, and you're and you're talking to people in, in things like that. Try to try to put a positive spin on on things, even if you know, in deep in your heart, you're like, oh, that was just all awful. I cannot stand it. You've still got to remember that that person is trying. So if you're going to say something. Make recommendations on how to improve. Don't don't uh, put people down. Yeah, we see a lot of this. I mean, Jim and I have been in, we've been around the block. Yeah. We've seen plenty of people who trash talk others, pretend like they have some opinion that actually means something. Um, we, I mean, we don't purport our opinions to really mean that much. Um, we just hope that our discussion of our opinion provides some informational stuff that may be useful. Um, again, infotainment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, try to be civil with each other. I mean, I saw this, I, I'm going to, I'm going to wax for a minute here. I saw a guy this week and I had, I had to hashtag this shit, but I saw this guy and he was, he was railing on somebody with a helix. Real men uh, don't play helixes. They buy Marshall. Stop being a punk ass. Oh my like, God. Oh dude. I was just like, this guy's got to be trolling. But I don't remember what my hashtag was, but I just, I went off on that guy. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what are you on? What are you on? If, you, if real men actually, you know, listen, real men, we have penises. That's what real men are. That's right. Okay? That's it. That's it. That's, That's it. all you can say about real men. We have penises. Yep. That's the end of it. Yep. And you can't. So. Um, so. Uh, I I had something I wanted to say, and I completely forgot it. Um, but I will say this: that um, you know, folks, if you if you have some ideas of of someone you that we should talk to, or you'd like to talk to us on the podcast, let's know. We'll try to reach know. out to them. And um, you know, we're 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 filling up now more and more interviews, so. Um, we want to we want to do some audience participation stuff too. Jim and I are yeah. toying around with it. We know people have been asking for it in the group. Yep. We just have to frame it in a way that fits with the way that our podcast works, and that that fits the way that we want the podcast to work in the future. And so once we come up with that that growth pattern, then we will invite people in, and we will make it work. Yep. So. Yep. So for with that, I've been Jim. I've been David. And this has been the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Right.